0: Everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 31, Media Streaming in Linux, recorded December 18th, 2011. This week we're going to tackle a a very large and oft requested topic, and that is how do I get my stuff to my other stuff? If you've got media, you've got uh, movies and video. And you want to not have to watch them on all on the same computer or carry copies of them on all your computers. How can you stream that from one place to the other places? The short answer is we don't know, but we're going to make some stuff up for the next half hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here with me to help me do that is, uh, as always or as often, <laughs> Mr. Seth Anderson, our gooey kid. Hey, Seth, how's it going? Pretty good. How's everyone doing tonight? Life is grand, my friend. How's the weather in your? part of north texas like i don't know because it's an hour from me
1: it's nice it was really nice uh short sleeve weather uh the ground is actually wet you know you don't sink in but it's not like dust
2: bowl
0: this is mid 60s today chris how about you
2: wow well we were a little warmer than normal today we were like 29
0: And that is, of course, Mr. Chris Neves, the command line godfather. Hey, Chris.
2: Hey, everyone. How's it going?
0: And our uh, noob in residence, the former fat guy, Mr. Aaron Butler, is not with us this week. Uh, and strangely enough, he won't be with us next week either. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, he's uh, uh, got some family affairs going on. And, and I say that, but we're going to be recording two shows tonight. So if you're in the live audience, you get doubly punished, uh, blessed. Um to have two shows, and, and we'll talk about that as the time goes on. But the idea is that we won't miss any of the holiday shows, but we'll actually get to take some holiday time off by doubling up uh, a couple of episodes here and there. So that's all I had to say about that. Uh, Chris, um, new Google Bar. I, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it?
2: I have seen it, and it's it's kind of interesting to look at. Um, there's plenty of screenshots out there. And What really irritates me a little bit is my son, whose computer is right over there in the same room as me, has it, but I don't. And it's kind of fun and irritating at the same time.
0: Well, all my accounts are Google Apps accounts, so it's not there yet for Google Apps. Yeah. Uh, so no, mine's,
2: a, mine's a true blue Google.com or Google Gmail.com address, and I evidently am not one of the lucky souls to get it yet.
0: Well, what do you, what do you think of your brief exposure to it? Do you like it? Does it seem to be a good way to do things? <laughs>
2: It's it, well. It's going to be a lot of change because you know, right now, when you're using your Google, the, the the current or the old black bar version, you had all your quick buttons right there at the top. You just had to click, 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 and away you went. This one's a more of a rollover menu where you had to roll over to find the different links, and then you it's only a one click to actually execute something. But it's supposedly quicker. Um, I don't know why they think it's smaller in screen real estate other than the fact that uh,
0: Well, it it's smaller in what's there warmer. all the time.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, from what I've, my my limited experience with it, it looks cool. It it definitely is more um, web 2.0-ish, I guess you could call it that. Or are we at web 3.0 now? <laughs> yeah. 2.5? But, uh, I don't know. It's It's a neat little thing. Um, it, it's one of those things that I think they changed it to change it to try to make something better. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes as soon as I actually ever get to play with it.
0: Yeah, I'm really not a big fan of, of most of the changes that Google is making to their uh, new um, layout, their new interfaces. They're changing it across Google Docs, Google Apps, Gmail, Google Calendar. And I, I, I'm actually not very fond of any of them. I'm not one of those haters who thinks, give me back my old interface. It, it, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. But it seems to be um, less functional than it used to be. Um, things that I would use often are now buried a menu or two deep.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I miss the old uh, Google Start page. I really enjoyed it. And when they rolled it into iGoogle, when you went to iGoogle, you didn't have all your links across the top. And so I haven't liked them since then.
2: Wow. And I I don't remember the last time I even used an iGoogle page. That's like, wow. I forgot they even had that. Yeah,
0: I never did. I just never was anything I was interested in. But my, my cohort on the Taiwan Tech Show, Sean, was a big fan of iGoogle, and he lamented loudly and often when they made that go away. But the fact is, we're using a free service, and they'll change it however they want to, and we can either accept it or accept it.
1: (laughs) Well, but while we're using a free service, they're making money off of us, so they have at least some duty to give us what we really want since they are taking our metrics and catching it out.
0: Well, their duty is to their stockholders, not to us, not to their customers. As I've often said, if you're not paying for the service, you are the product being sold. Uh, And that's you know that's the way it is. You got to understand that we're not the customers; we're the product.
1: You know, I read an interesting article that said Google Chrome has become the new Internet Explorer, talking about all of the custom stuff they're doing and moving away from open source into Google-centric things. It was an interesting read. I'm
0: not sure I buy that because most everything they they're doing, they are open sourcing, so they're not the existing standards, but they're they're to say they're not open i don't think is fair
1: like i said it was it was an interesting read i uh i it's been a week or so ago since i read it i don't have the link or i would throw it in the chat room but yeah um door to door in the chat room made a comment that they're actually not that open and the android for an open source app is remarkably closed there was a chart that Charted some of the most widely known open source apps and mobile oss and things like that and Android was down near the bottom in the content of it that was actually open
0: yeah it all depends on who you ask uh, yeah we we tend to have varying definitions of what open means um, and you know some means some think it means you have to throw open the floodgate and and do everything. Uh, Google takes a more measured approach. Is we will develop it first, then release what we've developed. But there's there's always like the Gmail app is proprietary, but uh, you know it's built on mail standards, so it's built on open standards, IMAP and POP three, so anybody can build a client to do it. So is Gmail open source? There, that's a question. You can go either way. The infrastructure yeah. of it is open, but the actual app itself isn't. Yeah,
2: which I don't see anything wrong with that either, though. Because, you know, it is a standard, so if they need to keep some of their trademark stuff secret, then I don't see a big issue issue with it.
0: Yeah, I'm not a Stallmanite, as I've said many times on the show. Uh, Anyway, I wanted to move on to, uh, I mentioned last week on the show, I think, I'm pretty sure, uh, that we have a new uh, uh, LMNOPI app in the Android market. I used a a service called conduit.com to uh, create that. I I don't actually have any coding foo, but they do, and they make the service free. And uh, just today, it took a while. It it took, I don't know, half an hour to produce the Android app, download it, have the APK on my hard drive. Then it cost me 25 bucks to register to be an Android developer, and like 10 minutes later, the app was up there. So total from the time I thought, hey, I think I'll build an app to the time there was an app in the market was like two and a half to three hours. That's not bad. The iPhone app, it took over a week just to get all the SSL stuff and all the developer stuff and, and it cost me $100 to pay for um, their developer thing and they got all those uh, I's crossed and T's dotted. And then once we got that, finally just today, um, Sunday the 18th, the app is built and ready to upload to the store. So then I went to upload it to the store, only to find out that you have to have a Mac to upload it. You can only upload apps to the App Store from OS X. Um, Wow. I don't have a Mac. I don't have anybody close to me that has a Mac. I mean, I can get it done. It's going to get done. We will have an iPhone app eventually.
1: You know, I have a really good friend who is, he's like Mac fanboy, Steve Jobs' child wannabe. So...
0: Well, I know several of those people. I work with several of those people. Uh, but uh, <laughs> door-to-door geek in the chat room says, how about a Hackintosh? Uh, Door, I, I don't deal in not entirely legitimate software. And OS X cannot be run on anything but Apple hardware legally. So I don't do that. That's not to say it's not possible. But the user agreement specifies that it has to be done on Apple hardware. And so if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on Apple hardware. But uh, uh, the conduit company says that they'll upload it for me for an extra 50 bucks. I, I don't know if I'll pay the 50 bucks or just maybe uh, go to a uh, an Apple Genius Bar and do it when nobody's watching.
2: Uh, <laughs> maybe, you can,
1: maybe you can get an Apple rep to let you uh, test drive a couple of laptops again.
0: Yeah. There
2: you that, go. That'd be one way to do it.
0: I could do that, but that would be more weeks. And, well, that's true. And then pr- once it hits the iTunes store, it's probably going to be another two or three weeks before they get around to reviewing it. So, um, I want to get it out there. We, I know this show in particular doesn't have a lot of, uh, Apple phones, uh, Apple fans, but the, uh, Element Open Network has a significant number of our fans who are, are Apple fanboys and, and who use the, uh, iOS devices. So, uh, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to to get it up there. Short of buying, I'm not going to buy a $3,000 MacBook Pro just to get a, a free app in the store, but uh, mm. I'll make something happen. Yeah. I just thought well, it was I interesting did. the differences there that, I mean, I understand restrictive. I get that. But to set it up so that the upload, and it really is just an upload, that's all it is, can only be done from OS 10. That's restrictive. I mean, and not only that, but when I was making the app, I had to give it the, uh, 40 pin unique id of an apple device. They wouldn't even give me a developer account unless I proved that I owned an i device. Wow. So I had to go I have an iPad that I won in a contest. I wouldn't have bought it, but uh I had to go get that just to prove to them that yes, I actually have paid you money. On top of the $100 developer fee you just charged me. Yes, I have bought one of your apps. I have one in hand. Now, I'm not developing this myself. Like I said, I used a, a service, Conduit.com. They're doing it for me, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they have all the um, resources and programming stuff in their house. I had to prove that I had bought a device, and now that I proved that I bought a device, got all the uh, SSL search and did all that, now I have to upload it from an OSX um, machine. I can't upload it from anything else, which is I, the, the, I, that's dumb.
2: Yeah, that's really dumb. Especially, though, if, say, you have your iPad, why can't you upload from the iPad? Because it is an OS device. You know, it may not be an OS X, but it's an iOS device.
0: Because you can't get anything on an iPad, that's why.
2: Well, obviously.
0: <laughs> uh, so it, it just uh, it struck me the difference. I mean, literally, uh, from idea to implementation on the Android market was a couple of hours. I'm now more than a week in. Uh, with the Apple thing and only slightly closer than when I got started after having proved to them that I owned a $500 device and now they want me to own another $2,000 device to be able to let me play in their waters.
1: But Mark, it's safety for the children.
0: For the children. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's for the children.
2: Yes. We're safe.
0: (laughs) And I honestly couldn't come up with any Uh, intelligent reason why that would be an issue. I don't know uh, why. I mean, I understand they have the rule that you have to develop in the Mac platform, and the idea is that it's a more seamless environment, and they don't have to uh, handle multiple streams of libraries. I get that. But, again, this app was created by somebody who does that all day, every day. I'm just trying to upload the dang thing, and they won't let me do it unless I do it from a Mac.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay, uh, Chris, Humble Indie Bundle 4. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, I'm going to pimp these guys until they quit making these bundles because I think that it's just an awesome thing that they're doing. The Like I said, the last time we had a Humble Indie Bundle released, uh, this is another one. Um, as, the, as of today, the 18th of December, there are eight days left in 20 hours before this bundle is closed. Um, right now you get seven games. For a, don- uh, for a donation to the cause, more or less, because you can pick a price to pay for these games. Um, the nice thing is, is if you do purchase this pack, you'd be also supporting um, the Child's Play Charity and the American Red Cross. So it's good for the charities. Um, the Child's Play Charity is one of those ones that is just a great charity. Uh, I wish they got more help than they get already. Um, but this this particular bundle comes with uh, like, uh, let's see there's uh, the Night Sky HD version, Shank Super Meat Boy, Bit Trip Runner and Jamestown and then if you donate or if you purchase it with more than say the average donation of $5.32 you get an extra two games called Cave Story and Gradius Space, or Gratuitous Space Battles
0: (laughs) What a Um, great name!
2: Yeah, it's and when you look at the, uh, when you watch the little intro video for them, when they say gratuitous space battles, they're not kidding. Uh, it, it's a cluster, <laughs> for for lack of a better term. Um, I've played the demo for almost all of these games, um, and they're all fun. They're all worth, you know, easily that I, I, my last purchase from Humble was a $25 purchase, and they'd be worth that again, no problem. No questions asked, even.
0: Yeah, so these guys are not only um, proving that open source works, uh, but they're also giving back to the other community. So, I mean, it's a win-win, win-win all the way around. Yeah,
2: and another thing that's kind of entertaining, because they actually they, they give you how many people have purchased from them, and they say the average price of the purchase, and then what the average uh, purchase amount is for each of the different three different platforms, Windows, Mac, and Linux. Linux is the over and above the average for donating. Um, the average Linux donation is $10.22. The Mac is at $7.38, and Windows is at a measly $4.74. So it, I would say that goes to prove that while there aren't as many Linux people buying these, they pay more or willing to pay more for these games than a Windows player.
0: I'm not a gamer I've never done one of these things when I do game which isn't often I like to do it on the console rather than on the computer so yeah. I, they've never gotten a penny out of me but I, I think it's a good idea and I'm happy to uh spread the idea a little bit or spread the spread the word
2: yeah well and like I said it, it's you can make a portion of your donations go to the charities and that's the one of the main reasons I do it um the child's play one is a really good one um do, should I go into details about that do you think or if you want to um, the Child's Play Charity is one that channel uh, It's a worldwide gaming community for children that are sick and in are terminal for in, in hospitals. And so these this charity gets tries to give people or uh, tries to get games, you know, video games into these these kids' hands that are sick, and so that you know they have something to do while they're sitting in the hospital beds. Um, it, it, you know, and I've had a couple of of rough weeks. Um, I don't know if you told anybody while I was gone last week, Mark, but uh, any time that you're not, if you're in the hospital sick, you need something to do, this is good for the children.
0: Yeah, Hospital is one of the most mind-numbingly boring places in the world to be, for sure.
2: Well, Especially if you're a kid. Right.
0: And I know, I mean, there are kids with serious diseases that have spent 80% of their life. You know, in a hospital bed. So, uh, and they can't do much else other than play a video game because they're too sick. So, yeah, I think it's a great idea.
2: Yep. Um, so, yeah, even if you don't want to support the the humble indie bundle people, go and support this charity uh, at the very least.
0: I just wanted to take a couple of minutes uh, to um, be a bit uh, uh, of uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit, a <laughs> bit. <laughs> That's funny. That that did sound like I said. It did sound way. like it. <laughs> to, to be uh, that's why that's why I paused, actually. I was like, "Do I need to just skip over that?" Or then you started laughing. No, I didn't say be a bitch. I said be a bit. Uh, to be a bit uh, sanctimonious and talk about Christmas. I know not all of our listeners celebrate Christmas. We have a a, a global audience, but this is the show before Christmas. It's where it's uh, a week away for us, and uh, I just wanted to. Uh, ask the guys here, what What are some of your plans and or traditions for the upcoming week?
2: Seth, do you want to start it? Uh,
1: we really don't have a lot of traditions. We normally get together. You know, the family, the last generation family is kind of split. And so it's, you know, normally just like we'll go to one of my brother's house close by or they might come to ours and hang out, eat too much, watch uh, some TV. And uh that's about it.
0: Yeah, it is so. interesting how most American holidays involve gluttony of one form or another. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, if there's a way to do more than one form of gluttony, my family has probably done it. So <laughs> we don't like to limit ourselves to one of anything.
0: What about you, Chris? What's going on, or what what plans do you have for your family?
2: Well, this is one of the my crazy week years of for my, the Christmas holiday. Um, I have let's see. Christmas Eve, we go to go to my uh, late grandmother's house this year. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen now that she's not with us anymore. Um, but this year, we'll go there. And all the family comes from all over the country. Um, and we all celebrate Christmas together. And we usually open a gift or two and then eat a little bit, play games, and then go home for the night for Christmas Eve. Um, this year, we have to... Is the, uh, our odd year. So we end up going to my stepdad's place or my stepdad's farm or his family's farm and we spend Christmas Day with them. And it's a nine hour affair of playing games and just having a good time with family.
0: I remember when I was a kid, uh, when all the cousins—they were all about my age. Now they're all grown up, and but when we were all kids, um, we used to sit around and play Axis and Allies for days. There might be go five or six days of Axis and Allies around the table at Grandma's house. But like Seth said, when you when you get to our age, you know, about four years old, um, that doesn't happen anymore because we're all we now all have our own families and that sort of thing. And usually, the matriarch or patriarch that whose house you gathered at is is passed on. Uh, in in our case it was my grandfather everybody came to him because he said so and we said yes sir Uh, but he died uh, a while back and um, we tried to hold it together for a while but now we just kind of all do our own little thing and so uh, you know I've got uh, my wife and three kids and so when they get older and, and they have grandkids and I'll be the grandfather who says you're all coming to my house and they'll say yes sir uh, <laughs> so and, you hope so i hope but we just uh uh we have our few little traditions we've always uh we we develop over the years we we always have uh waffles for breakfast on christmas morning it's it's literally like the only day a year we have waffles so we enjoy that and um and poo in the yard right and, and, yeah <laughs> eight foot of poo in the yard uh and then uh of course this year being that it's uh uh, sunday we'll we'll all go to church. My family is a a church going family, so we'll do that and and football, of course, uh, also because it happened to be sunday there there'll be the regular games, but there's always football on Christmas day, and so that's about it. It's just a time with uh with my family and uh we really i really look forward to that sort of thing. um simple holidays uh, with simple joys, hopefully building memories that they'll look back on. uh no epic Axis and Allies battles around our house, but uh, hopefully we'll have uh, fond memories when they get older.
1: Yes, but you could do uh, AAA, which is the uh, Java-based free um, clone of Axis and Allies, <laughs> okay. and you can even do it online.
0: Yeah, well, so, my oldest daughter is nine, so I don't think there's anybody yet who's interested in that, but uh, we do have some epic wee bowling battles, I will say. <laughs> Um and typically my shoulder I throw my shoulder out playing Wii because I'm such a uh, an old man now that counts as uh physical activity for me.
2: Do you guys do any baking or major cooking for the Christmas holiday?
0: Well, like I said, I have uh, you know four girls and your- me uh so it's my wife and three girls and so yes, it's all about the baking and the cooking and and that that starts actually probably today. We did some pies and we'll bake like it's almost like the twelve days of Christmas. On on the first day we'll bake one pie. On the second day we'll bake a pie and a cake. And on the third day we'll bake a pie, a cake, and two cookies. And and we'll get all the <laughs> way up to Christmas. And we'll we'll be staying. We'll be walking on to baked goods because we don't have any place to put them.
2: That sounds like my house. Uh, my wife has officially started cookie season. So now my house is enriched in the smell of sugar cookies, snickerdoodles, and um. I can't remember the other one that she just tried this year. And, yeah. So, yeah, we have a couple hundred cookies started.
0: So, it's it's good times. It's fun stuff. The difference is my kids uh, can go outside in their shorts and shorts, leaves, and play on Christmas Day. Your kids can't. No,
2: they still go outside and play. They just bundled <laughs> up and... Well, they this year... your it,
0: eye out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, depending on how things go, we might have a nice Christmas and we might have another, you know, four feet of snow with a blizzard warning. So...
0: We'll see. Yeah. And I will say that movie, uh, A, A Christmas Story, uh, on, uh, what is it, TBS or TNT? I don't remember which one it is. TNT, uh, I think. That will play for 24 hours straight at my house starting Christmas oh. Eve. Uh, I love that movie, and and it'll be on, and and we'll watch it uh, uh my kids love. it. I mean, half the ornaments on my on my tree are are Ralphie with a BB gun, or the lamp, or or you know, uh, we just that's one of our favorite movies. We all love it. And Man, so
1: I was we watching to, uh, Warehouse 13, and I don't know why, but just when they were walking through the warehouse, that lamp was sitting <laughs> on one of the shelves. <laughs> I I almost fell out of my chair laughing.
0: Eric Faye, who uh, does the the our. Uh, uh periodic table show and and uh, uh used to be a host of the hot route which is sort of taking on hiatus right now he has a tattoo of that lamp on his on his uh calf it's a <laughs> the, the whole length of his calf is that lamp so that's awesome
2: that's funny that's that's somebody who really likes that show yeah
0: yeah of course he's tattooed over like 80 percent of his body so uh i guess after a while you start out discriminating right i'm, I'm gonna get a tattoo and i don't want it to be perfect but by the time that much of your body is covered i just slap something on there i don't care uh <laughs> the dude's like well I, how about the lamp from that movie sure that'll be great hand me another beer uh, <laughs> well <laughs>
2: Obviously, you never had a tattoo, Mark. <laughs> there usually isn't beer or drugs involved with in a tattoo. Actually, they're
0: not allowed, at least in Texas. They, it's a, right. You can't uh, give somebody a tattoo if they've been drinking legally. That doesn't yep. mean that drunken people don't get tattoos every day, but legally, they can't do it. Now, the reason I don't have a tattoo is I've never found anything so cool I want to look at it for the next 50 years. Uh, huh. that's yeah, easy. same here. And I'm cheap. All right? We are the tightwad network, right? And yes. Tattoos are expensive.
2: They are, but they are with you forever.
0: Hey, Seth? Yes. How do you feel about bacon? Man, I
2: saw
1: this t-shirt today and I'm putting the link in the chat room. Um it's uh just called either you like bacon or you're wrong. And it is uh just uh it's just hilarious. A couple of strips of bacon and the picture I saw was with the uh the hot chick wearing it so of course that made me like it even more
0: yeah, but it hot was, chicks are always your best options for modeling t-shirts
1: yeah but either you like bacon or you're wrong and <laughs> uh it's at snorgts and uh they have tons of funny t-shirts and that's just one of them and so there you go either you like bacon or you're wrong now on t-shirts everywhere
2: that that makes me laugh because I have my uh, my daughter who's three. We'll polish off a pound of bacon if you don't stop her.
0: Oh, yeah. My nine-year-old.
2: No no problem. No problem at all.
0: My seven-year-old is the bacon monster. In fact, my wife made uh, two and a half pounds of bacon uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, just yesterday, she made two and a half pounds of bacon because we were going to be using it in our other cooking and stuff. And every time we turned around, my seven-year-old had like three strips of bacon. Like, (laughs) (laughs) where'd you get that? Well, I wanted some more bacon. And so finally, we had to take the bacon and put it away because she was just eating bacon. And yeah, she's like that commercial with the dog was bacon, 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 bacon. (laughs) That's my daughter. You mentioned bacon and she will literally do that. Bacon, 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 bacon. I love bacon. I want Bacon. Um, And she's stick-thin and, um, you know, doesn't eat anything else but bacon, but she's all about the bacon. As we've posited on this show before, there's two words that don't exist that can't go together is extra and bacon. There's no such thing as extra bacon.
2: No, if you're going to cook up a pound of bacon, you better cook up two because you'll be, – otherwise you won't have a pound of bacon.
1: Door-to-door uh, door in the chat room posted the rules of bacon, and uh, <laughs> uh, they're pretty funny. <laughs> so – uh they are
0: great <laughs> bacon, except I'll take some extra bacon, <laughs> bacon with a side of bacon, please. <laughs> um,
2: As those rules are good, I like those rules. I'll, I think that's going to be a, a new printout for my fridge.
0: As you can tell, you know we mentioned Christi- uh, Christmas earlier. Obviously, nobody on this show is Jewish, <laughs> um, because we we all have a, a positive attitude toward pork. So, uh, <laughs> Seth talk about some Linux news. You are our our news expert. You're always good at pulling out that sort of stuff. So what do you got for us for Linux news this week?
1: Well, the first one is, uh, this one's more tech generic, but Dell has opted to pull out of the netbook market because one, the ultra portables, they can charge more money for those. And two, I don't know, I guess they just don't want to sell a lot of netbooks. But, um, and netbooks are, you know, a lot of well, Linux's market share in netbooks is higher than any other type of personal computer. Um, so, uh, now you will no longer be able to buy a Dell mini new because they will not be making them anymore. Um, did y'all have any comments on that or do, do y'all think that the netbook market is dead or because, you know, it's been, it's been pronounced dead hundreds and hundreds of time. But what do y'all well, think about that?
2: I was going to say, I think it, the actual term netbook is dead. I think what we're going to look into now is more stuff like the uh, the, the Apple Air or these, um, what are they called? Um, IBM coined it. What is it? Ultra Books? Yeah. yeah, the Ultra Portables, which... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: the netbook... I think that... What the network netbook was designed to be was a, uh, uh, a low-powered, uh, inexpensive device that... Uh, couldn't do everything that a, netbook, uh, a laptop could do or a desktop, but was good enough for most basic tasks. And they really took off like crazy. They were big in, in the U.S., but huge in Europe. Uh, about 70% of, of, of computer sell, sales in Europe for a couple of years were the, of the netbook class. And so the guys who make these high-powered pro- processors decided they wanted a piece of it, and they started just making small, thin laptops. So the netbook is dead because laptops got smaller and thinner and better battery. And so yep. that's that's really all there is to it. You can now get a uh, you know a Pentium uh, or, or an Intel rather i three processor with a six or seven hour battery life and a ten inch screen, which is what the netbooks used to to boast. So it's not that netbooks died; it's just that they were uh, the rest of the world caught up with them.
1: Yeah, well, there's and now, that. instead of them being cheaper, you pay a premium for them. So that's a good win for all the hardware makers.
2: Right. And then the other thing that's in there that's eating up some of the netbook market and even those ultra portable markets is stuff like that. You know, the Kindle Fire, the iPad. This is actually going to eat up some of their market as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the tablet is definitely, uh, going to be a big deal. I don't think they're there yet. They're getting there, you know, the, with things like the Fire, uh, under, you know, under 200 bucks. I think we're definitely getting there um but yeah that will be what supplants it our phones will get bigger and our tablets will get smaller and they'll just sort of uh intermingle there i really i'm bullish on the tablet um form factor as being the primary portable form factor of the future just not the present and what bothers me is people are trying to make it the form factor of the present when it really isn't yeah
1: yeah so yeah the the next item i found is uh now, you know, the Ubuntu Software Center has tons of free apps, but there's also apps you can purchase, whether they be programs or, like, magazine subscriptions for online magazines. Now, it comes – they have PayPal support uh for the Ubuntu Software Center. And – so now, you know, you don't have to worry about some other way to pay if you already use PayPal. And most everybody's bought at least one thing off of eBay in their life. So you probably have a PayPal account. Now you can use that for the Ubuntu Software Center.
0: I get bugged when I try to buy something and I can't buy with PayPal. That's, that's my go-to and has been. I've got an Amazon Marketplace, uh, or what do they call that, Amazon... Payments, whatever that is, yeah. And I've got the Google Wallet thing, uh, but PayPal is is what I prefer to do. And I hate it when I actually have to pull my credit card out of my wallet and type in the numbers. And like, why, why can't we do PayPal?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of PayPal because I got kind of burned by them a long time ago. But uh, I'm a big fan of the Google the Google Checkout system, which is PayPal without being PayPal. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, they call it Google Wallet now. It's not uh, Google yep. Payments. Um, but just that switch over happened just recently. All right. What else you got, Seth? Well, um,
1: this one is not so much Linux, but download.com. I don't know if y'all have ever used download.com. I used to use it extensively and almost the only way to download stuff. But now they, um, you know, now they pre-bundle yep. malware and scumware and other just downright crap. into com the-
0: has started doing that too.
1: Yeah. Well and CNET is like the they're the download.com guy. So um uh, and you know, I actually I went so far as to I had a download.com account to where I could link to certain files and I could just shoot someone the link to that wish list of software and they could download. Like if someone, hey, what security apps should I get, I could just um I can make up like call it Seth security checklist and I could shoot them the link and they could go and download those files. Um, so I'm going to have to look for something else now. Um, like I love nine night, which um, if you're a windows user nine night is awesome. But I was kind of shocked when I read this, that download.com now pre bundles crap with uh, the software that you want to download. And so I'm going to have to look for something else that, and I hate change. I'm, well, I it, hate changing, but...
0: It goes it goes even worse than that. A lot of those uh, toolbars that are bundled, uh, you can go in with the advanced settings or whatever and remove it. From what I've seen from Download.com, that's not an option. It, it will be installed, and you have to go back and uninstall it.
1: Well, actually, at first, it wasn't an option, but so many people raised um, so much stink about it that it's hidden kind of on the thing, but you can go in and uncheck the options, uh, for them. Um, or if you, uh, if you are a premium uploader or whatever it's called, then you can opt out of that service. So uh, it's just a way for them to make more money.
0: So but it's a the, profit thing.
1: Yes. Go figure. Yeah.
0: That's a, a quote from the jerk. no in case, in case nobody got that. Oh, uh, I did not. Yeah, as Doris pointing out in the chat room, there's no Linux stuff at Download.com, but Seth is our resident uh, uh, representative of the Evil Empire. He brings Windows stuff to our Linux show just to keep us uh, found uh, grounded.
1: Well, and most of the people who listen to this show are the tech support for exactly. their family and friends, and if you did not know this, which I did not know this before a few hours ago, um, you know, it's just something to think about. I can't recommend Download.com now to friends of mine who won't think or know to look and not install the junk that comes with the software anymore. So I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm here for the people. I love the children, Mark. <laughs> it's for the, it's for the children.
0: All right. I think I'm going to skip on now to uh, uh, the actual Linux content of our Linux show. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, um, how to get your stuff to where you are so Chris take it away
2: okay well like I said at the top of the show um, I haven't got this in place yet it's something that's on my to-do list for when I have the means and the the time to set it up but I have done the the footwork to find out which ones I would be using for a media server something that I could stick all my files on my pictures my music my movies that I rip and have them on one location and be able to access them anywhere in my house or on the internet for that matter. Um, some of the more common ones that you'll find if you start looking for this, one is Media Tomb, and then the, um, Firefly and Myth TV. So these are the top three that I found. Um, there, there are more, but these are the ones I've seen to see, I've seen to find the, the best walkthroughs for on how to set this thing up. Um, the one that I would actually be going with from what I've, from my research is called Media Tomb. It's a UPnP streaming media server, so anything that can handle that UPnP um, system, like Banshee, and there's a lot of other media players. Uh, if, if I remember right, my TiVo will, uh, PlayStation Three will, uh, I believe Xbox does too. Um, the, these are one of those things where you just say point, you just point your device towards the server, and it does all the rest for you. It does transcoding. Um, It's just an all-around good little server to have running. Uh, MythTV is a DVR system that does the same as the UPnP MediaTomb, but it has the ability to record TV shows.
0: Yeah, MythTV is a lot more uh, aimed around being the replacement to your DVR, uh, to capturing live uh, television more than it is transcoding your DVDs and music.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, it's basically the equivalent of Windows Media Center, but it's Ubuntu Media Center now, basically.
0: And yeah. it's not to say it can't do the transcoding, it's just that's not its primary goal.
2: Right. It, it's I, I put it in here because it has the ability to with plugins in order to do this media server abilities. Um if, if you've been in a Linux place for a long time, MythTV would probably be your first place you'd go because that's the first, that's the that's the 800 pound gorilla. Um, they've been around the longest. Um, the next one that I found was one called Firefly. And it's, it uses the DAAP, which is the Apple protocol for doing media serving like the media, like, uh, the UPNP server does. This one is... I don't know if it's supported by Roku, or if it's backed by Roku, but it's on their site. So if... And I know a lot of people love love their Roku, so... Um, this one is a little newer, and I really couldn't find much more other than, you know, this will do... This will work for what I'm trying to do. So maybe if I actually get a chance to install it and play with it a little bit, I can give you a little bit better insa- insight on the Firefly one. Right. But uh well it well, was it was kind of, Go ahead. It was kinda of neat to find it on the Roku site, the fact that they actually handle this little standalone um, media server. And it actually says it supports pretty much everything out of the box the MP3, AAC, FLAC, um Og Vorbs, the Windows and Apple lossless formats. So it does a lot of the things that most of the other softwares do, but it's got a um, a commercial backing for what it looks like.
0: I experimented with this a while back, and and I've mentioned it uh, before. I went with uh, uh, Boxy.net, which is sort of like a a server, but not really. It's it's much more of a, a standalone app. But yep. I, I I have an Xbox 360. I played with the Xbox uh, uh, system, uh, the, the connect with that, and it was really really wonky to try to find exactly the right set of codecs that it would be happy with, and then to get it to stream to other things was was difficult. And of course, it's all very Windows centric. Um, I didn't have any luck with that at all. Uh, what door in the chat room has pointed out and something I have tried before is uh, VLC shares using uh, VLC as a uh, uh, server essentially, uh, it's a web app, uh, uh, written in PHP that connects to VLC and can uh, put stuff on the web. The problem with that is, uh, you, you got to have you know your own web server, and it, it's 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 complicated. I mean, it's the kind of thing that the, this audience is going to be interested in, but it's not the the turnkey sort of solution uh, that right. people are hoping for.
2: Which is what media tomb is. Um, it's more turnkey than than all the rest of them. At least that's what it felt like when I was reading through the documentation. Uh, It was literally, you install MediaTune on your server, you point it out where your sources are, and it does the rest. Um, Transcoding to the right formats and everything.
0: Yeah. Now, a tool that I have used for this and recommend is not open source and not Linux, but I'm going to put it out there. It's not free either. And that's the Pogo Plug. Um, Pogo Plug is a device that you purchase, uh, but it's also a service now. They're trying to uh, sort of compete with uh, um, Dropbox and those sort of things. But you put your music on that. It handles the transcoding, although it very slowly, the The model I have, I don't know what the current models do. The model I have has a very slow ARM processor. But you put your movies on there, and it will transcode them eventually. Uh, and But the downside there is it has makes two copies of all your movies, the one, the high def one you put on there and then the trans, the, the, uh, transcoded, uh, to be streamed. But then you, you use the PogoPlug app, um, or the PogoPlug website wherever you are and it connects from your house to their servers. And then say you're at a hotel room somewhere, you connect from the hotel room to their server. It makes that connection for you. So you don't have to open up ports or anything like that on your own computer at home. And it, it works well enough. It's not, Super awesome, but it it's good, and uh, the cheapest Pogo plug is like 100 bucks, so it's well worth looking into. And then you put your own hard drive in it, so I've got a 3-terabyte uh, external drive that I bought at elementop.com slash Amazon for about 100 bucks, and uh, that's- Pre-flood, that's what right? What's that?
1: I was going to say, three, uh, the 100 bucks was pre-flood prices, right?
0: <laughs> no, that was just a couple of weeks ago.
2: Really? Wow. Awesome. Yeah, prices are coming back down. The the spike is pretty much over, I think.
0: Yay! Well, the initial gouging is over. The yeah, prices okay. may go back up when they're actually warranted to go up, but not right now.
2: See, in the pogo plug, <laughs> the pogo plug is something. It is. It's running a Linux core, so right. You know, there there is some. I, I don't know how much of code diving you could do to you know maybe tinker with a little bit.
0: Well, there is but I, there is a um, I. There is a pogo plugged, pogo plug ED, uh, open source component where you can build your own pogo plug. Uh, so check that out, pogoplugged.org, uh, I think it is. And it's it's by the same people. It's, it, you know, the same way that uh, Fedora and Red Hat are related. The Pogo Plugged product is the uh, beta-tested um, thing, and then they take what works there and put it into their Pogo Plug devices. So there is a free, open-source way to go about it, but I really think for the money, that $100 appliance is the way to go. And, and, See, and that... That you don't pay anything at all for the web services. That's free. Comes with the appliance.
2: See, and that's similar to like if you wanted to set up an Unraid or um, a NAS device for Pogo Plug. It's just it has the extra web-based features.
0: Right. What else you got for us, Chris? Anything else?
2: Uh, that's pretty much it for right now. Um, I know I put some links at the top in the sh- in our show notes for the links to the f- the some of the five websites that I used to try and. To find these nice how tos, um, we could easily publish those for everybody to look at, and they could see what I'm looking at. Um, but like the one that really, like I said, the one that really stood out is the MediaTomb. That's the one that seems to have the biggest support and the absolute. I mean, it, it covered everything. I was actually shocked at how much stuff it does. So, uh, from from the command line Godfather to you, take a look at MediaTomb if you're looking to set one up.
0: So maybe during uh, the next couple of weeks while your wife is baking, you'll have some time to uh, look at this and and let us know.
2: Yeah. Well, I have a machine. I just, I need a hard drive. (laughs) I blew it up again. (laughs) Oops. I'm good at that.
0: All right, Seth, anything else before we move on to the tips of the week? Actually, I skipped over something you had there. Let's go ahead and go back to that. Or that actually, I did Chris. not
1: have that. Uh, so. That was
0: Chris. Uh, yeah. Your uh, Chris, you're a, a bit of an amateur uh, um, photographer. Tell us about what you have for us. Uh,
2: well, I'm an amateur photographer. Um, I I don't have some super powered cameras, but I did find some tools in a website, a, a tool in a website that might interest some of our Linux followers if if they want to dive into the uh, world of photography a little bit. The first one I'll bring up is called Dark Table. Um it's very similar to the Light Table version of of Windows that Adobe gives you and it, it's something I just was brought into like 8 hours ago so I don't have much I don't have very much info on it. But if it's similar to the Light Table um,
0: you mean Lightroom?
2: <laughs> or yeah, Lightroom, excuse me. If it's very if it's similar to Lightroom I've heard people scream about how good this, about how good Lightroom is. So this is going to be my next thing I start playing with when I start doing some my Christmas photos editing.
0: And it's Linux or Mac OS uh, ten or higher, no Windows that I. Can right, see.
2: and they have little bop. You know, like if you if you're running Ubuntu or Fedora, or Susie, they have the the install packages right on their website. Um, some of them are built into the repositories. Um, like what I said before, if you're comfortable enough to go and build your own, or to get it from the website and build it yourself, do that because you'll have the best of the best at the time instead of waiting for your, your distribution to update you. Um, most of them are either run this thing in a copy paste type thing where you copy it into a uh, terminal or just, they tell you to install it from the pack, the, the repositories.
0: Okay. And your next one, if you're a GIMP uh, enthusiast, as I am.
2: This one is pretty, it, it's the website is gimp-savvy.com. And it's another one that I was just shown about, um, I think four hours ago. But this one's really nice because it, it's got pretty much everything and anything that you want to do. It's got links to, you know, the books that have, that are GIMP based. Um, they have some some FAQs about how to make things better in the GIMP or how to use it better. Uh, it, it's just got a ton and ton of things that you can go through. Um, I really can't really tell much more than that because it's there's a lot of stuff on the site and a lot of links to the books that you can buy. Uh, it, it's just a good little site to have in your back pocket if you're trying to go find how to do something in the GIMP.
0: Now that that link there to the book "Grocking the Gimp," unless it's an updated version that I don't know about, that is a based on a very very old version of Gimp, uh, and uh, I'm I'm a Gimp'er from from way back. I've been using it and teaching classes on it even for uh, like 15 years now. And that was the book that I started with like 15 years ago. Uh, and so it, it hasn't, as far as I know, unless there's a new edition, a new printing, um, a lot of the menus that they point you to and a lot of the plugins that they point you to don't exist anymore or have changed. However, the, the concepts, the principles of how the GIMP works have not changed. So it's not going to be the hand-to-hand, uh, hand-holding, step-by-step thing that it was originally written to be, but it's still uh, a good foundation of knowledge.
2: Right, and the nice thing is, is this website ha- it it has the book itself on. You know, it's an HTML version, so you can actually read the book on their website.
0: Yeah, they, you can also download a PDF of it if you want. Yep. So, awesome stuff there.
2: So, like I said, it's not something that's going to hold your hand while you're using the GIMP, but if it's something you need to to try, and, you know, you want to do how to know how to you want to find out how to do something, GimpSavvy.com is a good place to start.
0: And while you're doing tips, Chris, what is your command line tip of the week?
2: Well, I figured since we're talking about media streaming, I'd say give everyone the uh, Swiss Army knife of media, pro- uh, media program, FFmpeg. Um, this is pretty much what any, well, I wouldn't say any, but a lot of the applications that use media in Linux are running through FFmpeg or have, FFmpe- have FFmpeg somewhere in their system. Uh, the, the command line stuff I'll tell you today is how to record. The one I'm going to bring up is how to record your screen, like a screen recorder. Um, and I have the list of the command typed out in, in our show notes. So if you want to know how to do this, go check out the show notes. It's going to be, it's a lot of command line foo, but it's one of those things. You don't have anything running on top of your system when you're trying to capture your, your screen. So it's going to be a little more... It's going to be less choppy than some of the other screen grabbers.
0: Yeah, and there are some uh, GUI add-ons, Seth, just for you, uh, to FFMPEG. <laughs> uh, but FFMPEG is the... Um, the command line godfather's home right there. It is originally written as a command line tool and the commands can be ridiculously long, like dictionary page long, uh, but it can do just about anything you want to know. But I recommend for the regular folks out there that you go look at some command line front ends, some GUI front ends for FFmpeg and they're easy to find in your repository.
2: Yeah, one of the ones I would say is GK, uh, was it GK record my desktop or record my desktop? Some one of those? I don't remember which one it since I don't use them I don't remember them off the top of my head, but one is like yeah, record my desktop or GK record my desktop.
0: All right. Seth, are you still with us or have we lost you? No, I'm still here. Okay. You you didn't comment on the GUI thing, so I was afraid we might have lost you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I uh I appreciated it though.
0: <laughs> so for the, the man who looks after our end user slash consumers in the audiences, what are what is your consumer tip of the week this week?
1: Well, there are a lot of places on the internet that you can go to buy things. Um, there are deal-of-the-day websites out there. If you are not familiar with deal-of-the-day, um, they are sites that you can only buy one thing on them that day, but that one thing is usually a very good price. Um, and I, I, even though I know about them, I typically don't think to check them all the time, but, and there are many of them out there. I just put a couple in here. Uh, one is called Woot, W O O T dot com. And they actually have spawned, uh, many things. Like there's one for kids, there's one for the home, there's even like a closeout one, um, as well. But you can just go there and like, they have, for example, today in the kids section, a, like a twenty-in-one, one of those handheld game systems that is about the size of an Xbox controller. You know, it doesn't have named games like you know, there's no Pac-Man or or, or you know anything like that. But they're not, they're like knockoff type games. But for ten dollars, and you, uh, you know, you want to get five minutes a piece, you give one to your kid, and then you know they can tear it up, and you're only out ten dollars. Um, and again, every day those will change. And the other one I put on here is. The number one, selladay.com. And again, only one thing on there. So, gee, I want to go shopping. You know, you wouldn't necessarily go to this one site. But if you're like, I wonder what the deal is today. And wow, that's a great deal. And it's something I would be interested in. So, I will buy it. But there are And there. Are, like I say, there are many others. If you just Google deal of the day, you will find a plethora of websites to choose from.
0: And the uh, one sale a day site, I just went to it. clicked on your link. And uh, while you were talking, bought two of them because that's something I need. It's a it's a mote uh, and nunchuck for nine bucks each. Uh, is,
1: is that a good buy? I do not yeah, own a Wii.
0: They're so. ordinarily thirty five to forty dollars each. If you went to Best Buy, you'd be paying like thirty nine ninety five each.
1: Yeah. So if uh, so. you're in the if you're in our live audience, you have another two hours on this deal. But if you are getting it uh, via some type of pod catching device of your choice, haha, uh-huh, you missed out. Yeah, but there will be some <laughs> other equally awesome deal, I am sure.
0: The shipping is a little egregious. Uh, for my $20 order, the shipping is $10, but still that's two for less than the price of one. So in that particular thing, I am going to buy that right now. Thank you. <laughs> that's Christmas. You're welcome. If it, if it gets Merry to your Christmas. time. Because <laughs> we have a we have five people in our family and only two controllers. So, um, that'll come in really handy. Yeah. So I'm glad I could help. All right, guys, anything else before I start wrapping us up?
2: No, I think that covers it for this week.
0: Okay. Well, I just want to say um, you can find out more about us, about uh, the other shows that we do on the network at elementop.com. That's our website. Uh, that's Element as in Periodic Table of Elements, Opie as in Opie Taylor, uh, elementop.com. Uh, we have our forums there where you can uh, uh, meet and greet other Linux geeks like yourself. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook uh, at uh, just... Search Element Opie and we'll find us there. If you want to give us a call, you can call us and leave us a voice va- voicemail at 559 I am opie is the phone number, or just go to our website, again, elementopie.com, and right there on the right-hand uh, top column is a, uh, a leave-us-a-voicemail button. Google Voice will call you. You don't even have to dial the number. All you have to do is answer when it calls you. Or if you're so interested, um, check out the Element Opie uh, Android app where it has all that stuff and more. It's got all our shows, all our feeds on it, uh, plus our Facebook and our Twitter, and a call us and an email us button. So check that out in the uh, Android market. Search for Element OP, and that'll be there. So guys, if you don't have anything else, I'm just going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.
1: Have a good night. Bye, everyone, and Merry Christmas.